kicking off episode 249 of Monster Kid Radio with another song from the band Surf Out. This is also from their album A Surfin' Christmas. The song is Santa Claus is Surfin' and appears on this episode of Monster Kid Radio with their permission. Go check them out at surfout.bandcamp.com when you're done listening to the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the show, the home of classic monsters, modern talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton. I'm excited because this week we have a filmmaker on the show. I'd like to read some titles for you, okay? The Menace with Five Arms, Slave Girls on the Moon, Voyage to the Planet of Teenage Cave Women, and Attack of the Octopus People. The man behind these movies is a monster kid by the name of Joshua Kennedy. We have him on this episode of the show. We're going to meet with him, talk about his background, find out why he does what he does. And yeah, he's going to make every Hammer Films fan jealous. So you'll have to stay tuned to hear what I mean by that. He and I also play a round of the Classic Five. You can't beat that. Now, throughout this episode, you're also going to get to hear some holiday greetings that have been sent in by previous guests of Monster Kid Radio. I'm going to pepper those throughout the entire episode, just like this. What is up, Monster Kid Radio listeners? This is Keith Foster, uh, the writer of the giant monster comic Kadoja, which is available in your local comic shop. So if you haven't checked it out already, swing on down there and tell them that you demand more giant monsters and that you must read Kadoja because you need more giant monster destruction in your life. I want to wish you all a happy holidays, um, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, um, happy Hanukkah, and of course, happy Giant Monster Day. Oh, wait. Every day is Giant Monster Day, and every day is Monster Day. See you in the new year. Hey, hey, Monster Kids, this is Casey. And Colleen. From CinemaForMaj.com, and we're calling in to wish you all... Happy, happy holidays. holidays! We hope you have a safe and good one, and you enjoy celebrating whatever it is you celebrate. As long as it has monsters and cheese. Yay. Hi, Derek. This is Alan Trump talking to you from uh, Saint, beautiful St. Louis in the heart of the United States. Uh, I enjoyed speaking with you a while back as a guest concerning the virtues of Zontar, the thing from Venus, and also listen every week to Monster Kid Radio. Always enjoy it. Uh, I personally have a lot to be thankful for this year to everyone from to God, my wife, uh, my doctors, my families and friends for their support that got me declared free of throat cancer. Very happy about that. And, of course, another thing that got me through was watching plenty of old-fashioned monster movies like we always praise on your show every week. You know, the creatures in those movies aren't any different from us. They enjoy getting together and uh, exchanging presents around Christmas as well. I'm thinking of uh, that great song, Monster Holiday, that... Uh, uh, Lon Chaney Jr. and Bobby Boris picked it recorded where they say things like Santa ducked down deep in his sack and came up with traction for Igor's back. Drek got his cape. Frankie's new trike made him behave. Even Wolfman was happy. Now he can shave. A lesson for us all. All right. Hey, hope all is well. Hope all your listeners have a wonderful holiday and, uh, and make sure everybody has a bloody good holidays and everybody has a happy new fear. Take care. Good talking to you. Bye now. You can't escape it. Mackie, look. Nothing can destroy it. It's coming for you from space to wipe all living things from the face of the earth. Beware of 
The Creeping Unknown. This woman is about to learn a terrible secret. She will never be the same again. Because this man knows that same secret, he will never speak again. To both of them has come terror in the form of The Creeping Unknown. went into outer space. Only one of them came back. Came back a strange, distorted creature, haunted and possessed by something beyond human understanding. What was the terrible secret he could not tell them? There's a whole new world out there, a wilderness, uncharted. And he's been there and come back. He's got the map. Unlock his mind for me, Briscoe, and find it. I know you can do it. It isn't just a question I know the strain and tension you've been under, but to stop now when we're so close, Brian Donlevy, he dared an experiment that shocked a nation. You've destroyed him like you've destroyed everything else you've touched, Kent. There's no room for personal feelings in science, Judith. An experiment that created the creeping unknown. I want to call around the entire area, evacuate all public, get information to check up every movement that's likely to take place inside this radius tonight. Yes, sir. Warn everyone not to touch anything unusual they may find in the streets. Hammer Film Productions began in 1934, and after producing almost 200 films and television programs, the studio is still releasing and re-releasing new and classic film titles. 1951 Downplace is the podcast that brings you the story of the great Hammer films, one movie at a time. Here are your hosts describing what Hammer means to them. First is Casey. Hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of Hammer Horror, the engaging storytelling and amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper. The gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces. And finally, here's Scott. Um, well, Hammer means how to get a nail into a block of wood. This boy has a lot to learn. Join our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes and other information about these classic films. 1951 Downplace can be found in iTunes or their website www.1951downplace.com Should I have said Hammer Pants? 1951 Downplace, the home of Hammer Films discussion. They're dead. But they're alive. As religious rites become obscene orgies. Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing together in Count Dracula 
his vampire bride. The king of the undead marries the queen of the zombies. On this, the eve of the undead, I call upon you to witness my supreme triumph. Van Helsing, the body of your granddaughter will never be corrupted. And the devil himself is exorcised. Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, the ultimate is revealed as the two masters of menace grapple for the souls of the living and the dead. Turned into an eight CD box set by Circle of Spears Productions. Quiet, please. I'm also an actor who has been in many roles, including Anton the Innkeeper in Tales of Dracula. And I'm here to wish you all, my fellow monster kids and other fans of Derek M. Cook and Mr. Cook himself and his lovely wife, I wish to all to have a very Merry Christmas and a happy. And monstrous New Year. And as I say to all of my mystery guests in my murder mystery shows, may all your crimes be perfect ones. Goodbye. Hello, listeners. This is Greg Starrett, co-author of Fit for Frankenstein, the classic book that makes a great Christmas gift, and Monster Kid Radio fan. Uh, I just want to wish you all, in the spirit of Uncle Forey, Happy Horror Days and a fiendish ghoul year. This is Dr. Gang Green, physician of Fright, Nashville TV horror movie host, calling to wish all the viewers or listeners, that is, of Monster Kid Radio a very scary Christmas and a happy new fear. Hope you all enjoy episode 249, 250, 250 wonderfully spooky episodes. Congratulations. That's awesome. 250 coming right up. To start off 2016, that's something. Anyway, Merry Christmas to all you guys. Hope you guys all have a fantastically frightful holiday. <laughs> Stay mad. Monster Kid Radio, I'd like to welcome to the show a filmmaker. I love having filmmakers on the show, especially filmmakers who are involved in making I think it's fair to say retro style monster movies, horror movies that play into the wheelhouse of the kind of movies that we like here on Monster Kid Radio. Joshua Kennedy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> I first became aware of what you do a few years ago when you were nominated for a Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Award. Oh, yes. With yes. Attack of the Octopus People. Oh, yes. <laughs> Strange occurrences have been taking place at a sinister factory. Prepare yourself for a trip into the unknown, the mysterious, and the unexplainable. Prepare yourself for the attack of the octopus people. 
will pierce your flesh as you witness the invasion of body-snatching monsters from the depths of the ocean. See a crowd of thousands attacked by a malevolent cephalopod. See the policemen who stood up to the monster. See the greatest scenes ever shot underwater. So terrifying a film that a nurse will be on duty in your theater in case your nerves cannot stand the shock of the attack of the octopus people. Two cog-sized thumbs up, says Bob Burns. Attack of the Octopus People charmingly flaunts its lack of budget with the healthy sense of the ridiculous. Josh Kennedy obviously has old movie savvy and the film's self-awareness is infectious. Larry Blantmire. Don't be a hero. I just want to tell you, I love you. Attack of the Octopus People. A film so terrifying, you won't believe it's a movie itself. Do not dare see it alone. Rated G. Magnum opus of my 15-year-old self, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to bring up the age thing, but, but you're like, what, 20, 21? I'm 21, yes. And you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine credits on the IMDb already. Yes, that is correct. That's insane, man. Th- thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to hate you right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, try not to. <laughs> My brother, no, that's fantastic. So congratulations on everything you've done so far. Thank you. I appreciate that. You mentioned Attack of the Octopus People being your, your film that you made in 15 years old, but I'm assuming you've made movies at home with a video camera, your friends, that oh. sort of thing. My um, my first movie was at the age of five. Wow! And yes, it was. It came from the bathroom, so you can you can already <laughs> <laughs> you can already see the fifties, you know, homage already forming in my mind. And it was pretty much it came from beneath the sea, but with a giant rubber soccer ball that came out of the toilet and attacked all of my toy soldiers. So the giant monster movie was fresh in my mind at the age of five and hasn't left since. Tell me you still have a copy of that somewhere on VHS. Oh, that's residing somewhere in a, in a VHS bin back home. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing to me that you said five and you're making yes. movies inspired by the 50s already. I'm assuming yes. you've enjoyed these movies from the beginning. Oh, from my mom and, and well, and my dad are complete film fans. My mom more so. Growing up with all of the Hammer stuff, my first movie from what my parents tell me was at the age of three, and they gave they showed me the Ten Commandments, the Cecil B. DeMille three-hour epic, and apparently they gave me the two VHSs. I sat down. They left me in the room. And they started the movie for me, and then they left the room. They came back, and I had taken out VHS 1 and put in VHS 2 by myself at the age of three. Whether that's true or not, you know, is up to them, but I somewhat believe it. So, yes, film has, <laughs> has always been there in my life. It's a heck of a story. Whether it's true or not, I'd go with it. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> yeah, lead with that. Lead with that. Yeah. So uh, The Ten Commandments, a classic film. Do you remember when yes. you first started watching these genre films? Pretty much the same time. I, I want to say Horror of Dracula, which was – I want to say that was my first 
monster movie, which is the perfect movie to like, you know, watch firsthand. Um, because I vividly remember sitting in the living room with my mom and watching it and the scenes where he's chasing him through the Black Park and they're Cushing is chasing Lee through Black Park and jumping on the window and tearing the, the windows down and the sunlight pouring in that's burned in my memory. Then I guess all the 50s stuff came directly after that. Between three and five, I had already seen It Came From Beneath the Sea. I was quoting the Gorgon in my first movie, Hammers the Gorgon. One of my characters was named Kenneth after Kenneth Toby at, at the age of five. So, yeah, between three and five, <laughs> I had already ingested a large amount of it, of those lovely films. I love it. That's just – I mean, the, the Hammer films can lay the foundation for so much. Oh, completely. And still lay the foundation for so much. I mean, at the age of 21, it's still catching things I didn't catch when I was, you know, seven, didn't catch when I was 15. And it's like it's – they're always going to be there, which I love. They're, they're immortal. Oh, yeah. I, I agree. I'm a huge fan of Hammer here at Monster Kid Radio. I co-produce a Hammer Films podcast as well. And just – I can't get enough of them myself. And I feel like your most recent film – well, actually, your most recent two films really have a Hammer – influence yes. very strongly. I mean, obviously with a title like Dracula AD 2015. Yes. <laughs> yes. And um, the Vesuvius experiment, experiment with no E, it's with an X, um, like the Quatermass experiment. Mm-hmm. Grand Richard Delambre, can you hear me? I think it's about time we find out exactly what this experiment has entailed. The experiment... Me. Our experiment has only just begun. We must have patience. Experiment. You deliberately began experimenting on his body without any knowledge or permission. If the whole world waited for permission, we would all still be rotting in the Stone Age. Be content with the fact that your husband is helping the world in the most tremendous way. The world of you? The world of Vesuvius? I hate you! I hate you! been transforming under our noses the entire time. How? How is that possible? You said it wasn't possible. I know what I said, but you see the evidence with your own eyes. He's gone. What are we going to do? We've got to find him, Paul. We've got to find him no matter what. Again, a complete homage to the Quatermass films, that one, and uh, all the characters are homages to those films and other Hammer films. You know, showing it to my cast members or having them read through the script, a lot of them, I mean, they're today's generation. Not that I'm not today's generation, but I place myself in an older generation when it comes to movies. But I'll give them the script and they'll be like, oh, that's a, that's a great name, Sally Nesbitt? Well, what does that mean? And it's like, well, it's the name of the, the actress who played the nurse in the Gorgon. D- d- don't worry about it. I'll, I'll take care of it. So. <laughs> If you look you up on YouTube, we do a little bit of digging. I mentioned earlier, I'm going to try not to hate you. Here's another reason why I'm going to try not to hate you. Oh, God. <laughs> Go ahead. Hit me. <laughs> the night is young. Do I need to say anything else? Oh, ho, 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 ho. probably my, uh, my proudest achievement. <laughs> 
Can you tell our listeners what this is? Yes, it's a music video between me and the great love of my life, Martine Beswick, who was a two-time Bond girl, Sean Connery Bond girl, and she was in One Million Years B.C. with Raquel Welch. She catfought Raquel Welch in that film. She had her own spin-off, Prehistoric Women, in 67, a year after One Million Years B.C., and then she was Sister Hyde in Hammer's Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde. I watched Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde talking about influences. I watched Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde right at the perfect time of hitting adolescence and like Martine Beswick coming out as Sister Hyde hit me right in the hormones and I <laughs> I've been in, in love with her ever since. And anyway, I got to um, meet up with her at Monster Bash in Pennsylvania. Uh, it was a Hammer-themed Monster Bash and they had all – it was a great lineup. They had Martine Beswick was there, Caroline Monroe, Yvonne Monlar from Brides of Dracula, Veronica Carlson from Dracula's Risen from the Grave was there. Anyway, they were all there for a – little hammer convention and i asked martine if she would be in this complete love letter to her and her films and she actually agreed and we shot within 20 minutes in the the parking lot of the hotel where the convention was at and it was a dream come true and it's me literally just lip syncing to this song called the night is young and just pouring my love out to her in this ridiculous operatic song and yes it was quite quite the experience listeners this is an audio show but when joshua and i connected he's on a video skype feed so i can see him as he's talking about working with martine and his eyes are just bright and glowing (laughs) i should turn off my camera what am i doing (laughs) revealing too much It's amazing. When I saw that, my jaw dropped. It's like, oh, oh. L- look at what he's doing. He's living the dream, ladies and <laughs> living gentlemen. Living the dream. Look um, at I, that. I, did you have a chance to see the sequel that I made? I believe so. Is this yes. one with Caroline Monroe? Yes, she's mm-hmm. in it as well. So there was a nice little follow-up. Because <laughs> I shot first with Martine, the first one, and then we came back from outside filming, and I was like, thank you so much, Martine. And then Caroline was sitting in the table opposite. She's like, Josh, I want to be in a music video. And then you're like, what am I going to say? No, like to Caroline Monroe. I was like, no, sorry, I don't have room for you. I was like, well, next time. Next time I'll write you in. Uh, all right, wait, 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 wait. Caroline Monroe asked you if she could be in your video. Yes, It was at that point, I became friends with Caroline's stepdaughter, Tammy, who's Mm -hmm. probably the nicest person on the face of the planet. And um, it was at at that same convention, Caroline asked to be in the music video. I was like, next time, next time I'll write you in. And then I was telling uh, her stepdaughter, Tammy, I was like, I'm making a a Dracula Hammer movie. And she's like, oh, well, you need to get Caroline in it. I was like, oh, my, do I, again, do I say no to that? And of course, that didn't even cross my mind, even idea that she would consent to be in such a thing so she actually has a small audio cameo in my dracula ad 2015 and fans of dracula ad 72 will get the complete homage the tribute because she plays the mother of a character in my film and the character in my film is named caroline (laughs) so it's like an homage within an homage and then the character Caroline gets a call from her mom, who's the actual Caroline Monroe, and Caroline Monroe says, don't do anything I wouldn't do tonight. So it has this nice little (laughs) (laughs) pat on the back for Hammer fans. Again, completely blessed that they would even consent or even listen to a weird film fan like me um, asking them to be in in my work. 
It's fantastic when yes. that happened. And I think you put her name in the opening credits of Dracula yes. 80 2015. So I was oh, waiting. Wait. I was waiting for her to show up. But when the phone call happened, I was like, yeah, yeah. that's yes. perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. She's talking to Carol. I loved it. Exactly. I loved it. Thank you. And there are a few uh, hammer when I showed it to my test audience. Well, not I call them my test audience because I premiere it back home in Texas and then I come up to New York and premiere it when the semester starts in New York. But in Texas, there were a few hammer fans in the audience and you hear like the appreciative chuckles throughout the audience. I was like, okay, some some fans are happy. So (laughs) they get it. They get it. They got it. (laughs) Finally, you mentioned semester. So you're in film school. Yes. Currently, yes. I have to ask, what is the reaction with the staff, the teachers, the other students, when this guy from Texas shows up and starts wanting to do these classic retro B-movie type films? What, what is, what's a good adjective to describe their reaction to me? Um, I think it's just complete appreciation for me that um, I know one of, my, one of my teachers, a few of my teachers actually, I mean, obviously they're older and they're, I'm referencing... Oh, well, here's a good example. I'm taking this this semester I took Biology of the Science Fiction Film, which oh. was a course. Yes, it was fantastic. We were going to watch Fantastic Voyage and describe, like, the body and the science in Fantastic Voyage. And it, it, got, it was towards the end of the semester a few weeks ago. And the teacher, Catherine Zimmer, great teacher, she pulls the audience beforehand and she goes, okay – how many of you have seen this movie? And then I'm in the back and I raise my hand and she goes, besides Josh. So, <laughs> so no one had seen it. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. I'll, I'll be over here if you need like the historical analysis. I'll, I'll be here. So I, it's, it's known throughout the school that I have that, that retro thing. And of course, I'm having my premieres all the time. I mean, last semester I made Dracula and Vesuvius in the same semester. So, I mean, it's, it's not like I'm a secret around here. That doesn't sound <laughs> if that doesn't sound too egotistical. And I'm a teaching assistant for all the film production courses. So if you're going to be studying film here, you're going to have to go through me, or like at least hear of me. So <laughs> you're going to have to go through me. You shall not pass. <laughs> I love that. I love that there's somebody younger than me who's fighting the fight and carrying <laughs> the flag of these monster movies that we love. When we were talking, you were kind of joking with me. Should I be nervous? Should I be prepared? So I wanted to just introduce you as a monster kid to the audience. And yes. I, I know you and I are both younger generations than the, the original monster kids. But, I mean, you're really doing it. You're out there making these movies and contributing to this subgenre. I thank you for that. Oh, well, thank you for thanking me. I appreciate that. It's very flattering to um, know that I'm not alone, you know? Oh, not at all. Yes. I've been to Monster Bash once uh, about a year. uh, Actually, I think I probably missed you by about six months because I did not go to the Hammer one. I went to the one before. The one beforehand. Oh, wow. They're they're great conventions. Mm -hmm. I can't recommend them enough. How did the crowd react to your movies? We filmed the Hammer Bash, and Mm -hmm. then I think it was the following June – for that monster bash, they had me go up and present my Martine the Night is Young video for the monster bash audience. And it was so refreshing to have everyone in the audience, not just a slight chuckles throughout the audience, everyone in that audience. Of course, they're all a lot older than me and they lived with these movies growing up. So it's part of their, their life. But to have the entire audience laugh and cheer to see me dancing with Martine, that was rewarding. I was like, my people, I found my people. These are, <laughs> these are my people. So, yes, it was, again, extremely heartwarming to 
find again people that whole convention like just walking through that convention it just warms your heart to know mm -hmm. that again you're not alone that the people are just as weird as you people wearing Bela Lugosi t-shirts and someone wearing you know Boris Karloff t-shirts someone in a Boris Karloff mask it's just it's complete heaven it's catnip for me I'm, I'm monster kids all over the place yeah. if you get to go to monster bash it's great great stuff oh i agree it's definitely got the monster kid radio stamp of approval i, uh, I yes. love monster bash i gotta get back there someday it's just so much yes, fun it is it really is we have a game that we play here on monster kid radio i have a, a deck of just random questions i call it the classic five Okay. okay. And these are kind of rapid fire, yes or no, this or that style questions, all, all right. having to do with classic monster movies. I'm just going to draw some randomly here from my deck. Oh, sweet. Okay. All right, all right. Are you ready to do the classic five? I am ready to do the classic five. All right. Here we go. Let's do it. Question one. Which character from a classic monster movie would you like to follow on social media? Oh, that's a good one. Who I would like to follow. Uh, the Gill Man. My brother. Oh, man, that creature's my favorite film, so oh, you just sweet. scored some points. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's no points to this, but I think you just won. <laughs> yes, all right. I can just, like, see, like, him on Twitter, like, ooh, seductive Julie Adams just swim by. Going to check it out. Hashtag, you know, love. I don't know, something completely, <laughs> completely ridiculous. <laughs> Fishermen coming in with spear guns trying to, you know, stun me with their whatever the, the white fluid that they, they drop into the, the water. Rotonon, yes. I haven't Rotonon. seen the movie that many times, but, you know. Yes. <laughs> Rotonon. <laughs> All right, question two. Okay, okay. What two 1950s monster movies would make a great double feature? Just personally or just, like, for... No, personally, for you. Oh, um, The Thing from Another World is one of my... That's in my top... 10, even top five favorite movies of all time. So Thing from Another World, which is 51, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say them, but I'm not going to say them. That's just, that's easy. That's, that's too easy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thing from Another World and 50s. The Monolith Monsters. Wow. Okay. Again, two catnip 50s movies for me. That I mean, I love monolith monsters to no end it's very underrated i think uh, I don't, what, what's your opinion on it oh i love it yeah oh, okay. oh i Sweet. love it yeah and it's simple and again with thing from another world it's so simple i mean it's just trapped in that arctic base with james arness in a frankenstein outfit and that <laughs> and um Monolith monsters are just rocks that grow, and then they just keep growing, and then they collapse, and then they grow some more. I love simplicity in, in any movie, but especially those. So, I, yeah, interesting double bill, I'd say. I, I like Front that. of the World and the Monolith Monsters. Which would you play first? I'm just going to go in order of the way they release. Okay. Think Front of the World and then Monolith Monsters. I did see some Monolith Monsters influence in Menace with the Five Arms. Yes. Oh, I did yes. see that. So yes. I was going to bring that up since you mentioned it. That's, all right. Question number three. Question number three. Go ahead. Go ahead. Ooh. Favorite classic monster movie poster. Is this any um, – You can go anywhere. It's fine. Anywhere? Oh. I don't know if that makes it easier or harder. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's, the broadens the – oh. I don't want to sound like I'm a complete creature from Black Lagoon. It's okay. You're, 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 it's a safe place. <laughs> <laughs> My safe place, please. Uh, <laughs> don't tell anyone. Um, I mean, I have Creature from Black Lagoon. That was, that's my first poster I ever had as a kid, and oh. it's still still in my room. And yeah, creatures. I mean, that's just the classic. I'm trying to think of something else. 
I mean, there's so many. But, oh, okay. It's a tie between Creature from the Black Lagoon and It Came from Beneath the Sea. Again, I'm carrying the torch for It Came from Beneath the Sea. But, I mean, I'm a huge giant octopus, giant squid fan. And so, I mean, the tentacles coming up out of the, in the background, tearing down the ferry building and the Golden Gate Bridge. And then you have Kenneth Toby and Faith Delmore. Demorg, Demorgu, and Donald Curtis are at the bottom of the poster, and just the tentacles coming out. It's just, and they have the giant it in like disgusting, creepy letters. That's it came from beneath the sea and creature from Black Lagoon. I, I'm raving, so uh, no, <laughs> no, <ranting>. please. <laughs> I love, I love the enthusiasm. That's that's how oh. we're about here. Cool. All cool. right. So, question number four, and I think so, this one, this was not planned, but I okay. think this one's very appropriate. Andrew Keir or Brian Donlevy? Um, I'm going to choose the. Not so popular choice, and say Brian Don Levy. I love them both, and not, and not to poop on Andrew Keir or anything, but uh, I'm a fan. A lot of people aren't fans of how he's just the flat face, the no nonsense attitude. It's like let, let's get to it. I'm going to start again, and the, uh, that's evident in the Vesuvius experiment. I try to base my performance off of Brian Don Levy. Uh, it's like picking your two favorite children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's like, do I go with you know the firstborn or the the firstborn or the uh, or Andrew Keir? Ah, but yeah, I, I'll have to go with Brian Dunleavy on this one. I'm a big fan of Dunleavy as well, so okay, you, you can say he might be the least popular, but right here, of the two of yeah. us recording, he's the most popular between us two. Okay, there heck yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, I love him. He's so no nonsense. Oh and, yes, and I did see so much of him in what you were doing in Vesuvius experiment. Success, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, final question. Okay, okay. What Christopher Lee role would you have liked to see Peter Cushing play? Oh, ho, ho, ho. go right for the jugular. I know, I? man. <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, okay. Christopher Lee role that Cushing would have played. I stumped you. <laughs> I think you did stump me. That's you're going to re- completely recalibrate my brain. I'm going to have to. <laughs> no, it's a hard what if because that they both are so iconic. Yeah. Oh. I don't know where I read it, or maybe I'm making this up, or I had a dream about it, but someone somewhere wrote or said on a podcast that wouldn't it have been cool to see Lee as Dr. Frankenstein in some, like, an homage to, like, I think of, I haven't seen it, the, the new Victor Frankenstein mm-hmm. movie that came out. I, I haven't seen it, so I can't say if it's good or not. But to see Lee in Cushing's role as... Dr. Frankenstein, and then the movie is commenting on Lee's participation as the creature, like that whole, like, if they did something like that, that would, I would love something like that. Um, I'm sure I'm going to, we're going to finish the podcast and I'm going to come up with something a lot better than, than that <laughs> answer, but that's, that's what I'm thinking right now. I mean, we, he did the, the monster once and then mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been cool to see him switch roles and then have Cushing as the monster. Oh, oh be- wow. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. Cushing didn't do a lot with makeup. I mean, he did the uh, tales from the, the crypt, but yes, now that I think about it, I don't know if he wore a lot of prosthetics, did he? I mean, just that, that one scene where, I mean, mm-hmm. that pans up and he has that, that the mask or the, yeah, the makeup. Yeah. 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 The Roy Ashton makeup, but um, yeah, that's oh. listen to your name drop and stuff where I see my brother. <laughs> heck yeah brother from another mother there you go there you go see you're in new york i'm up here in oregon if we were oh. anywhere near each other i would totally be there trying to help you out with your movies that's fantastic oh, thank you thank you you're most welcome whenever whenever we make it up to oregon you know oh there you go you'll be the first i call <laughs> 
you know, it's interesting because you're bringing up Lee switching roles with mm -hmm. Lee and Cushing. He's a Facebook friend of mine and um, became a Facebook friend of mine through watching my movies. And he looked me up on Facebook and found me. His name is Tim. And he sent me a very nice email and was just it's like, I love, love the films. And um, have you ever considered doing a Sherlock Holmes movie? Because you would be a perfect, uh, you're the spitting image of Cushing in the Dracula films. Why don't you do a, like a Hound of the Baskervilles Sherlock Holmes movie? And that never crossed my mind. Hmm. So it's interesting the, the role changing brought that brought that to mind. He's like, you should should do a Sherlock Holmes movie. I was like, that's that's interesting because I never saw myself in that that type of role, but someone else does. So maybe maybe they're right. I don't know. I could see it if that means anything. Yeah. I could see it. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> so I mean, it's it's on it's on the back burner of many many different projects. So we'll see if something something comes about. You star in almost every one of your movies. Yes. Is that by design or by necessity? A bit of both. My, the excuse that I give to my actors, they're like, well, you're always in – not I'm, make it sound derogatory. Why are you always in your movies? <laughs> um, my, my answer is that I'm the only person I can trust to show up every day. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, all of my actors, I love them to death. They're all volunteers and they're giving time out of their busy schedules. I mean, they're all acting well, – most of them are acting majors. So they're in their own shows. They're doing their own movies. They're – helping out with theaters, stage managing, and they're devoting their time to this. And the scheduling is really the hardest part of making, uh, not sure on professional movies, but pretty much independent films. That's the hardest part when they're dedicating their time. They're like, I'm only free from like, you know, one to three. I was like, great. Well, we have to shoot the entire movie within one to three if we're going <laughs> to, if I need you for that long. So, I mean, having me, that just is like a little weight off my shoulders that I can, uh, show up and do the scenes when people aren't. I can shoot my scenes and then wait for them to show up and then work with their schedules. And and also, I mean, it's a, a little bit of a dream to be acting in these films too, so I have to <laughs> mention that. Walking in Don Levy's footsteps, Cushing's footsteps, is a nice little heartwarming moment for me as a, a monster kid. And I'm... <laughs> I'm the only actor that I don't have to explain my, my reasonings to, you know, uh, like having to explain, okay, we're, like I said, you're Sally Nesbitt, you're the actress who played the nurse in The Gorgon. It's like, well, what's The Gorgon? Well, okay, The Gorgon is, you know, and then you have to go back and you're like, okay, well, Hammer Films was a film company in the 50s, and then you have to go, so, well, then you have to tell the whole history of Hammer Films. So, well, they did The Curse of Frankenstein, they're running out of monsters, so they chose Medusa, and they did The Gorgon. And they're like, oh, okay, but what does it have to do with my character? It's like, it doesn't have anything to do with your character, it's just some, something to have in, in the back of your mind. <laughs> To help your performance. So, I mean, just to know that I, I'm the one person I don't have to explain myself to. So that, that's also helpful. <laughs> a long answer for a short question. You know, Sorry. I did a little research on you. I read some other interviews with you online. And you have acting in your history as well. You put on shows, that sort of thing. Before, oh, yes. Outside of the movies. Mm -hmm. I was um, one of the big members of the drama club in middle school and high school. Okay. We did, I mean, I did all of the dramatic shows and pretty much all of the, the stock theater cast of the high school ended up in my movies. So it, it worked out perfectly. But um, towards the end of my June, no, towards the end of my sophomore year in high school, um, we did, <laughs> my sophomore year, we did Little Shop of Horrors, oh, which is. Nice. It was, and I played Seymour. It was the and of course my, you did. Of course, of you course, did. it was it was <laughs> made in heaven. And the actress opposite me, Andrea Negrete, it was. We did Little Shop of Horrors, and she played the love interest. And then I made Attack of the Octopus People the next year, and we played love interests again. So it was using the the same 
people from Little Shop in, and of course, Alex Villarreal, Turk Tacteris, Josh Palacios, they were, they were in uh, Tech the Octopus People as well. But after we did Little Shop Horrors and um, little fun fact, I purposefully wore a turtleneck and a scarf the entire show, just like Jonathan Hayes in Roger Corman's Little Shop of Horrors. And they're like, why do you take this scarf off? He's like, because he doesn't take it off in the movie. So I'm, that's my, <laughs> I was sweating like hell, but you know, it was totally worth it. Dedication. Anyway, um, dedication. Right. Yes, to, and of course there was like one person in the audience with my mom, probably she was like, Oh, I see what he's doing. He's doing the Roger Corman Little Shop of Horrors Seymour. So anyway, <laughs> end of sophomore year, my teacher, Mr. Green, Mr. Green. Yes. Shout out to Mr. Green. He, he <laughs> saw my dedication to again, the old monster movies and just acting in general. And he's like, what do you think about directing your own show? And I was like, I've never thought of that. This was after attack of the octopus people. He had seen attack of the octopus people and said, what do you think about directing a theatrical show? And I was like, Oh yeah, why not? And <laughs> you'll get a kick out of this. My first, stage production was my junior year and it was a stage adaptation of the brain that wouldn't die oh wow yes and i mean i try to think of the simplest possible show to do and literally all you need is a table with a hole cut in it and you have your actress (laughs) in it and it was we covered the entire set in aluminum foil that's that's my my magic my magic potion is you know aluminum foil and christmas lights which are foundations for miracles but uh, it's um (laughs) (laughs) it covered in aluminum foil and it was this completely b movie we had like little flashing strobe lights for lightning it was so cheesy and then after that mr green asked me to do a theatrical show every summer so i did we did brain that wouldn't die king kong i adapted for the stage which was absolutely ridiculous. Wow. We had, wow. Yes, we did, had my friend Gimo. He's like Andre the Giant. He's the nicest guy on the face of the earth, but he's enormous. He's a football player turned actor turned technician. And we put him in this gorilla costume. And then my sister, Kat, lovely Kat. Hi, Kat. She, I cast her as Ann Darrow, the Faye Ray character. And she is she – she, I mean, she's still – small but she was small then i mean she hadn't hit her growth spurt yet and she was so tiny and he was so big and he was in this gorilla costume and he it was like the perfect image on stage but then king kong would go to grab and daryl and then she would go off stage and then his hand would go off stage and then she'd put a little barbie doll in his hand so it was like <laughs> so then when his hand came back it was like Anne had like shrunk it was a very creative little show and then we made this big puppet of King Kong that came through and crashed through the wall. And it was very, I mean, it's all the way I describe it is like, it's the 50 cent production of King Kong. Like we had 50 cents in our budget. This is what we came up with creative ways to, to work around this, the special effects we did King Kong. And then we did the 10 commandments. Again, there's, there's my 10 commandments vein <laughs> in my, my body. And I played Moses, of course. And uh, then we did 20,000 leagues under the sea, which was the other, big stage production and you learn so i mean to any directors listening out there you learn so much um transitioning from the two to mediums it's funny my my final paper for one of my classes is about this how Lawrence olivier transitioned from working on stage to working in film and um it's really a really an eye-opening experience to work in in both mediums and i learned so much from doing both i would totally go see a 50 cent production of King Kong. <laughs> I would totally be there. Perfect. I mean, it's on a DVD somewhere. If I if I find it, I will definitely send it to you. Oh, if man. You'd like. Don't tease it's, me. <laughs> <laughs> it's out there somewhere. It's like I tell all of my, again, my friends, my family, my actors, 
I, I like to do things that I like to watch. And the, the biggest regret that I have is that, again, playing on stage as Moses, I couldn't sit in the audience and watch the Ten Commandments show. Luckily for King Kong, I could stay in the audience the first half and just enjoy it. And then I did the Miriam C. Cooper thing and get in the airplane at the end of the show to shoot him down. Where uh, Was it Miriam C. Cooper? He's like, I might as well shoot down the, the King Kong bastard anyway. Or he said <laughs> something to that effect. And so Miriam's, the, the directors, it's Cooper and Shudzak. Ernest showed show right, Zach. Right, right, right. They're, they're, yeah, they're in the, the plane at the end that shoot down King Kong. So I was like, I'm going to pay homage to that and be in the plane in the show that shoots down King Kong. But again, I love doing things that I get to watch at the end. I mean, I won't – I say that now. I don't like making or devoting so much time to something that I won't appreciate in the end. You know what I mean? Like, sure. What I enjoy watching is what I want to end up making. Totally understand where you're coming from. As a creative myself, I get it. I mean, I produce yeah. this podcast because I want to listen to podcasts about classic and not so classic exactly. monster movies. Exactly. You know, with my own writing, you know, I, I write the kind of things that I would love to read. And I think I've read in an interview with you that you make the kind of movies that you'd want to watch. Exactly. And I totally. love that we're living in a day and age where somebody like you can pull that off with the technology that they have. It's, yes. And, and that there's somebody as enthusiastic as you out there, again, carrying that flag, holding the torch. For these movies. I said it before. I'm going to say it again. Thank you so much for doing what you're doing because these movies, you know, I've made my way through uh, quite a few of your films. I haven't watched them all yet. Okay. I, I have most of them here now. Thanks to oldies.com. I've made my way through a lot of them and I can see the progression. I mean, I can see you get older too, but I can see the progression <laughs> yes. uh, from Attack of the Octopus People to the Vesuvius Experiment. And it's mm -hmm. a heck of a journey. And I love each one of what I've seen so far in different ways, but I can definitely see the finesse and, and the growth. I love the Vesuvius Experiment. I Thank really you. enjoyed that movie. I loved your performance and I love the story in that. So thank you very much. I again, I appreciate. It. I'm going to start tearing up. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I really appreciate that. I, it means a lot, and it's a, a great boost of confidence for someone like me. So I, I thank you for that. But yeah, it's, I, I watch them too. I like watch Attack of the Octopus. Oh, I watch all of my movies, and like, there's certain moments like, oh, because you you sure. grow so much. So you you watch one scene, it's like, oh, I should have done this. But I mean, the films are. I mean, they're they're like little timestamps of where you're at. So Attack the Octopus People, that's me at 15, and I'll get to be able to watch that from now on and see, okay, and then it's the perfect representation, again, of, like you said, of how I've grown. So, like, I'll watch Attack the Octopus People and be like, okay, I feel so much more superior to that. Maybe I am learning something in college. <laughs> Maybe I am getting my money's worth, you know, at this school. So, <laughs> but uh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Really, I, I do. You're a film student with a distribution deal. How did you get hooked up with oldies.com? <laughs> um, that's what everyone asks me. Going into film class, like, wait, don't you have a movie out? How, why are you still in college? Um, <laughs> it was, I, again, this goes, it all comes together. As John Danzinger, my teacher, would say, it all comes together. I watch, I buy a lot of old, I used to, well, I still do, buy a lot of oldies.com material. Like, I just put out a lot of the public domain sci-fi movies that I like. And um, a friend of mine found in one of their, their catalogs that come with the DVD. They said, if you have an interesting product that you think we'd like to sell, send it on over to oldies.com, Alpha Home Entertainment. And I was like, hey, why not? That, that's, that's not a bad idea. So I had finished Attack the Octopus People, and Octopus People is just going to be a fun, friendly movie for you know my family and friends, and we'll watch it every so often. We watched it in the backyard. We had a little mini premiere, and I never thought anything of it. And 
my friend Rock said, um, uh, his name is Rock. I don't have a friend Rock. His, his <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Just, just, just in case, uh, for those you know, <laughs> listening at home, uh, he goes, they, why don't you send this to oldies.com? I mean, they release old monster movies anyway. What, it fits right into that realm. So I sent it off to them, and they were enthusiastic, absolutely enthusiastic. And I think it was like a one-sentence response that was like we love this we will be in touch we will release this it was some, well that's three sentences not one sentence but it was like a tiny little email that was just <laughs> beaming with electricity i was like oh oh people want to see this and then it's actually one of oldies.com's biggest independent films that they've released which astounds me it's like always in the top 100 bestsellers it still is it's like number 75 it fluctuates but it's 75 or like in the 70s right now and again this is a 15 year old kid having fun with his friends paying homage to these classic movies with a budget of like five dollars and the octopus is a volleyball with hoses garden hoses taped to it as the tentacles and (laughs) the reaction to that has been marvelous and so many people just saying this you captured the essence of how i wanted to make movies as a kid so i mean that that's again heartwarming and then it was nominated for rondo which was again blew me out of the water i was like oh okay (laughs) i guess this is you know a genre that people want to see nowadays and yeah so after that we did um the giant starfish movie the, the menace with five arms and then oldies released that they released Voyage to the Planet of Teenage Cavewoman, which is my homage to badly dubbed Italian women on another planet films, and Martin Beswick and Raquel Welch in all those cave fur bikini movies. And then they did um, Curse of the Insect Woman, which was another small – that was – how do I describe that one? Oh, it's, it's um, pretty much a rehash of Cult of the Cobra – or Curse oh, of the Cobra? Okay. Cult okay. of the Cobra. Yeah, yeah. It's a fifth, another 50s. If it's the one I'm thinking, it's the Universal film, there's the GIs, yes. and they're told not to take photos at the ceremony, but they do yes, anyway. Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And pretty much it's they, they, these group of good old fashioned American friends, they stumble in this, this cult that worships the insect woman. And then the insect woman comes back and like starts haunting all of them. And all these release that, and they're, they've just been extremely, um, kind and considerate and they're like people need to see these monster kids need to see these because the, the the owner steve he's he's a monster kid and so he gets all the references so they did that and then they were extremely excited about the vesuvius experiment too so that that was awesome <laughs> I, no i think it's great and I, I have a number of their products a number of their dvds in my collection yes mm-hmm. And I mean, sometimes it's a bare bones release and some of these public domains, oh, yeah. the transfers aren't the best. But with mm-hmm. some, with some of your movies, like with the Vesuvius experiment, you've got a, a commentary track in there. I mean, you've got a few special features. So yes. you're getting more than your value. You know, <laughs> at oldies.com prices, you're getting special features. That's fantastic. Oh, yes, yes. I don't know why my friend Dan, I'm name dropping all over the place. He, he was the one, he's like, why don't you do a commentary on one of these DVD releases? Cause I hadn't done one with the previous ones. And I asked oldies and they're, they're like, yeah, why not? And I was like, oh, okay. And so that was a new experience for me. And they asked, they're like, do you have anything else? I'm making of documentary. I was like, oh, maybe not a documentary. I was like, I can put together a few bloopers for you. And it's like, oh, sweet. So, and then they compiled that together. So, Again, yeah, I was like, if you want it, if you want it, I got it. I had no idea that they'd be interested in a commentary or a blooper reel. So yeah, Vesuvius does have uh, 
me talking about it for 40 minutes <laughs> if you want to listen to it. <laughs> you can't get enough just watching him. You can listen to him as he's watching himself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't listened to the commentary track yet. I, I just watched Vesuvius Experiment the other day, so I, I'm going to go back and listen to the commentary. Oh well, thanks uh, for revisiting it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I enjoy it. that in Dracula AD 2015. Now, now that yes. one is a YouTube release. That's how I saw it. Yes, and I'm assuming. I mean, without getting too legally about it, I'm assuming that's by design because of the music. Yes, and that was my big conundrum with that film. I mean. How can you make a Hammer Dracula homage without James Bernard's dun, 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 Dracula? And, I mean, that's one of the great Dracula themes of all time. And so if you're going to make a Hammer Dracula homage, there's no way you can't use that, in my opinion, at least. And there's scenes with me following in Cushing's footsteps and running through the streets of the city looking for my sister who's been kidnapped by Dracula and I have to use Mike Vickers jazzy seventies score, which some people don't care for. I think it's awesome. I, I dig it. Yeah. Oh, right? I dig it's it. like, you dig it. How, how can you not? It's so seventies and eighty seventy two is such like a seventies time capsule mm -hmm. that I, I mean, it's, I love it anyway. And I'm running through the streets of the city and I literally have the music on my phone playing full blast in my pocket. So like I'm getting into the, the zone. I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> like wink, 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 wink. Anyway, so I put it in the film and it works so well in the film, I think. And I was like, there's no way I can, cause oldies really wanted to release it. And I was like, there's no way I can take it out and put in like a creepy Halloween Dracula like that's the, the public right. domain, the Toccata Fugue. I, I don't. I probably murdered that pronunciation, but um. And I tried it. I took the Mike Vickers, James Bernard score out and put in my own music, and it just it doesn't have the same effect. And so, unfortunately or fortunately, um, it's available on YouTube, and anyone can see it. So there's the fortunate part of it. Unfortunately, it can't be on DVD for a wider audience for those that don't have access to YouTube. But um, I mean, I'm, I've come to grips with it. I was like, it's it is what it is, and it's my most popular YouTube video so far. And I've I've been on YouTube for like seven years posting ridiculous stuff. So <laughs> it's it's nice to know that people are watching it. But yeah, I couldn't bring myself to take the music out. Yeah, no, it, it's it fits perfectly. And then I'm also a fan of AD seventy two and Satanic Rides of Dracula. I love yes. I love those two movies, Warts and all. They've got some issues, but I don't care. I love them. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, a Satanic Rides thing. It's like a cheesy Avengers mm -hmm. meets. Um, James Bond. And I was like, that's, that's interesting. Cause that kind of, it kind of is, it has that weird, uh, spy feel to it and a made for TV movie at some points. And again, Cushing with a band aid on his head, being a badass, <laughs> holding a crucifix <laughs> and melting the crucifix into a, a silver bullet. And how, how can you, how can you beat that? That, that is how I sum up that movie. That's the cool of that film. Yeah. The, the that, melting of the silver crucifix to turn it into a silver bullet. That to yes. me is the movie. I love it. That scene. I love that. And I've paid homage to it in way too many forms, but my favorite scene in that movie is when they're sitting at, at the table and he has the, Lee has the light like directly mm -hmm. on his desk facing Cushing. And like, he has that, that fake like American accent. He's like, Oh, professor Van Helsing. And it's like, it's so obvious that it's, it's Christopher Lee, but it's, it has that, that fun little gimmicky feel to it. And then Cushing puts the Bible on the, on the desk and Lee burns his hand. It, oh, it's so, that's my favorite scene in that film. I could watch that entire film warts and all with the crazy 
satanic ritual at the beginning, which has no <laughs> has no relevance to the rest of the film. And I'll watch that whole movie just to see that scene. It's mm-hmm. it's great. And I mean, his death at the end is so lame. I think. <laughs> I mean, when you have the greatest ending of all time in horror Dracula with him jumping off the window and tearing down the, 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 the shades, and then you have him like go through a bush and the, the hawthorn tree and just get like impaled with the little things, it's like, ah, that's so lame. It's so sad to yeah, see. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a stretch from, from it, horror of Dracula. Yeah. To, yeah. And oh, it's yeah. unfortunate that that's the one he went out on. But Exactly. But like you, you said with my films, you see the whole the growth of Hammer mm-hmm. with through the Dracula films, and then their de- the decline. You're like, why are they doing this? No wonder they they started losing money. I mean, that that's I shouldn't say that it's sacrilege. No, um, no, but- they they were trying to you know their identity was changing, and they were trying to yes. keep up with the times. And to their exactly. detriment, they made too many changes. I feel, but that's you summed it up perfectly. Just just use what you said. Don't use any of what I said. <laughs> Now, there is one movie that I've seen that you were involved with that I can't find on the IMDb. I can see a trailer of it. Miranda Garcia meets Frankenstein. What, what is yes. the story behind that one? It's completed. It's the first movie that I didn't write. Which oh, is, okay. And my friend Rock, again, he's not a Rock, um, Rock Baker, <laughs> uh, he helped me write Teenage Cavewoman. He aided on Teenage Cavewoman a little bit. And he wrote this homage. It's very, it's like a 60s beach movie made for TV cheesy come on gang let's go to the beach oh wait it's frankenstein like that type of (laughs) (laughs) hey man that's my mom describes all of she hates those beach movies and i i don't love them but i don't hate them i'm neutral about them but she's like it's those movies where they're like hey there's always a guy named biff it's like hey biff you know mom's mom's out of town for the week let's bring Susie over with her records and let's jam out out of the like that that cheesy (laughs) 60s thing uh Anyway, there's there's a scene where – and it's about – it's very somewhat autobiographical because I play a movie director, a young movie director, and my sister plays my sister in the movie as – and we're making a movie with these these beach characters. Then we end up filming in a castle where Frankenstein's monster is and um, hilarity ensues. Very Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein type, type stuff. My favorite scene in the film – again, we're going back to music problems – is the, the main star, Miranda – she lip syncs to a song that I don't have the rights to. I'm making a long story short. I mean, so the scene is the movie director is shooting a song for his movie and they accidentally bring the wrong record for her to lip sync to. So my character, the movie director in Ed Wood fashion says, let's just, just shoot it. Let's see how it comes out. So they play the song that the actress has never heard before. And she tries to lip sync to it. It's my favorite scene in the movie. It's it's cute. It's funny. It has a few gags in it with the reaction shots. And I don't have the rights to that song, but it works so perfectly. I can't bring myself to do anything. I'm in because I make so many movies. I'm working on a movie right now. I don't have time to go back and work on it, if that makes sense. So it's 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 <laughs> on the shelf. We'll see if it if it something comes of it. But and again, and then I'm afraid with a few. I I can't remember what the other movie I is that I made. That is like this, but um, as I grow older and make more movies, the worser those films become. Do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> it's like how do I re- release? I'm so proud of the Vesuvius experiment, but here's something that I made five years ago with that, which has warts and all. Mm. And there's a part of my my ego that that fights me on that. But there's another part which like, well, you still see the growth if the year is on the title, so it's like you see this. We're still in the the growth pattern. 
Well, hopefully something happens with that one. Fantastic. You said earlier you've got a senior project or senior paper. Are you about Doma Film School? Next semester, I start my senior year. What happens next? Have you thought that far ahead? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not to I'm, terrify you or anything. No, but, no, but, yeah. You know, where does a monster I'm, kid go after he graduates film school? That is a great question that I'm constantly rolling over in my head on a, an hourly basis. I'm a true believer in um, serendipity and uh, not so much coincidence, but uh, how things just happen. Things fall into place. And it's been my experience with everything, with with life. I mean, I'm getting real spiritual and, uh, no, it's and all right. <laughs> uh, uh, philosophical, but things work into place when you just... And I tell this to my actors too, especially on filming with a movie set, on a movie set, or my movie set. When something doesn't happen, you need to just go with the flow. Um, let's say my uh, important scene, this woman can't remember her lines as an actress. I have to you know, go with the flow. I can't force her to learn the lines right there. I'm going to use cutaways. Let's cut away to this. Let's like, oh, what if we think uh, – what if she's actually reading the lines? Like can she hide the lines in her book? You need to adapt – to, I'm going to quote from Dr. Zhivago. Again, this is completely <laughs> off the, the monster kid thing, but it's Dr. Zhivago is like, adapt yourself, and you just go with the flow. So work with what you've got. This actress doesn't know her lines. So let's see if we can do the lines in different different takes, uh, different angles. Maybe she gets up and walks around the room to change up the scene. So with life, that's that's my motto anyway. Things just happen. How is it that my friend said, hey, look, there's an article in the oldies catalogs asking for, you know, a movie ideas. It's like, oh, hey, look, um, Oldies is interested in making in your movie coming out, is interested in releasing your movie. So, you know, things happen for a reason. I'm just keeping my options open. The whole Martine Beswick thing, that's the perfect example. It's like, would you like to be in my movie, Martine? Well, yeah, sure. It's like, oh, okay. So things happen and things are meant to happen. That's my my philosophy anyway. So Keeping my options open, seeing what happens, not too too scared about it. A little scared. I mean, that's that's normal, but things happen. Either way, I'm still going to be making these these low budget movies. If I'm working at McDonald's, that's why I tell my family all the time. If I'm working at McDonald's and I can make my movies at the same time, I'll be the happiest guy on the face of the earth. So it'd be nice to get a budget and you know uh, <laughs> someone to to fund me. But that's what I wanted to hear. Is that there's going to be oh. more movies? So you know, yeah. totally oh, yes. selfishly, <laughs> thank you for saying that. <laughs> I recognize you as a, as a creative person with a drive, and I know you're going to be making movies. So best Thank of you. luck to you, man. I am so thrilled that you took the time to chat with us here on Monster Kid oh, Radio. This is, it's been my complete pleasure. I mean, I still be asleep right now, and I get to talk with you know Monster fan. This is, this is so awesome. <laughs> well, we'll have to make a habit of it. We'll have to have you back yes, on the show. Yes, please. I, I love this. was a complete pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, well, definitely. We'll have you on. We'll talk about a, a classic movie or two. Yes. And uh, I, I can't wait to see what comes next. Please keep us posted. Will do. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Joshua told me off the record what he's working on next, and it sounds awesome. I think it's going to be good. I can't wait to see how it turns out. Now, I'm sure he'll mention it online somewhere. He does have a Facebook page. Just look up Joshua Kennedy, Man of the Arts, on Facebook, and I'll make sure there's a link to that in the show notes as well. He and I did talk about him coming back onto the show, so I'm sure sometime in 2016, he and I will find something to talk about here on Monster Kid Radio. I wonder what movie we should pick. It has been said that every legend and myth known to mankind is not entirely without some truth. It was here, under a full moon, in the little village of Van Dorf, 
that an ancient legend suddenly terrifyingly came to life. Doctor, you'll perform an autopsy. On a body that's turned to stone? Ever heard of Megara? Megara. It said that when mortals looked upon her face, they were turned to stone. Leave Vandorf before it's too late. What is it you're afraid of? I'm afraid for you. Or of what I may discover, if I remain. We want you out of this house, mister. Now. For 2,000 years, Megara the Gorgon had kept her evil peace. But now this strange, unearthly creature returns to petrify every human being who crosses her path. Starring Peter Cushing as the doctor, did his strange talents direct him to medicine or murder? Christopher Lee is the professor, confronted by a conspiracy of silence that paralyzed a village with terror. Makira died 2,000 years ago. It's her spirit we're concerned with today. It's found a resting place in somebody. Also starring Richard Pascoe, Barbara Shelley, Michael Goodliffe. The terrifying realism of the Gorgon. She comes to life and brings death to all those who look upon her face. Carla! I am waiting for Carla, Mr. Hines. Hey, Derek and Monster Kid Radio listeners, this is Richard the Monster Movie Kid calling in to wish everyone a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays, and a Happy New Year as we say goodbye to 2015 and we usher in the new year of 2016. Um, It has been a fantastic year. First and foremost, Derek, let me say thank you for what you do each and every week here at Monster Kid Radio. You knocked it out of the park in 2015. You've got a Rondo Award to prove it, and I know you're going to continue to do so in 2016. Your podcast is one of the highlights of the week. You just are a top-notch production week in and week out. Thank you very much for everything that you do. Um, It's been a great year for me, the Monster Movie Kid. First and foremost, for those of you who have followed, my wife Jerry was declared cancer-free back in May. That's the gift that keeps on giving. And I will publicly say once again, thank you to everyone for your prayers, positive thoughts, your good mojo that you sent our way. Keep it coming. Uh, You know, Jerry is doing remarkably well, and uh, we just continue to need those uh, good thoughts and good mojo and all that coming our way as we continue to kind of keep things being 
monitored and, and make sure that cancer doesn't come back. Uh, everything is looking fantastic right now, and Jerry is really looking and feeling good. And that, for me, is the highlight of the year personally. But if I want to you know, take a look at Monster Movie Kid, it's been a great year as well. The blog has been doing well. And as I've said since the beginning, when I launched it back in 2012, if I get one person to read a review, I consider it a win-win scenario. And I've had that exactly throughout the year. So thank you very, very much. Back in July, I was very lucky to join the Dread Media Podcast. I did an audio review of the movie Tales of Dracula, which Derek has covered numerous times here on his show. And uh, Des liked it over at Dread Media and asked if I would become a regular feature. And so I'm heard just about every week over at Dread Media. If you've been with uh, Derek long enough, you remember him from his Mail Order Zombie days. He did some work with uh, Dread Media when they did the Blind Dead movies. That's the podcast that I'm on. It's generally more modern movies. You get a little different taste of music, a little bit more heavy metal from time to time. But it's uh, it's a good uh, counterbalance to what you get with Monster Kid Radio. And you get to hear me. I have a lot of fun with that, in all seriousness. Um, I love being on that show. And uh, i got to give thanks to, to everyone who has supported me over the years. And Derek, you know, you're... Uh, I guess, honestly, being able to participate on your show in the past ultimately played a part on me now being on Dread Media. So thank you very, very much for that. And Basement Subletter of Horror, the magazine continues to uh, to entertain people. Issues 1 and 2 came out in 2014. Well, issues 3 and 4 came out this year. And i got to say, they are so much better than the first two issues. You've got some great artwork for some great uh, artists doing some original stuff for us. There's some great interviews. Bradley Beard, the artist, has been featured in, uh, I think it was issue four. And uh, we've got a, a great uh, tribute issue to Tom Leahy, uh, two of his science fiction stories from the 1950s being reprinted for the first time. Uh, some great articles from yours truly. Had a lot of fun with it. Uh, Joel Sanderson, the man over there at Basement Sublet of Horror, uh, continues to uh, to put his shows online. So if you love watching a horror host show with a twist, check out the Basement Sublet of Horror. We're already working on issues 5 and 6 for the next year. Having a lot of fun with that. Go to IndiePlanet.com to check that out. You can get uh, digital uh, copies of the magazine as well as print on demand. I highly recommend you do that. I think you will definitely enjoy them. You know, it's been a fantastic year for me. And once again, Derek, I want to say thank you to everything that you do. I think it's going to be a great year for all of us. And I know I'm going to still be listening. So again, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. And thank you to everyone for your support. And Derek, thank you for everything you do. Take care. Hi, Derek, and the Rondo Award-winning Monster Kid Radio. And all the listeners out there, this is Rick Myers of the Fumbling Forwards blog, and I'm here to tell you, happy holidays. I hope you have a Merry Christmas, Happy Yuletide, and a Happy New Year. And I hope 2016 is good for you. I plan on having a very good 2016. And everybody, keep watching those monster movies and keep listening to Monster Kid Radio. Greetings, friends and fiends. Dr. Dreck here. And a merry happy to all of you from all of me. And for those of you that are involved in winter sports, keep watching the skis. Hi, Derek. This is Jeff Blair. I'm calling to wish you and all the monster kids out there very happy holidays and a Cthulhu New Year. Uh, now, if you'll excuse me, my Christmas tree is growling at the cat, and, uh, oh my gosh, it's moving on its own. I think I better go solve this. See you next year, everyone. 
Ho, 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 Monster Kid Radio. Hi, this is Ron. Uh, hello, Derek, and everyone that listens to Monster Kid Radio. This is Ron Adams, Monster Kid from the uh, Monster Boom generation back in the 60s and 70s. And, uh, boy, just thinking about memories of Christmases gone by and gifts back in those days. Uh, growing up, uh, looking at uh, all the gifts under the tree, hoping that maybe underneath that wrapping is Aurora Monsters, Mattel Monster Maker, maybe Creepy Crawlers, Fright Factory, uh, books like uh, Dennis Gifford's Pictorial History of Horror Movies, and there's those little paperbacks too. Boy, I forget what they were called. There was these. They were like white with. Uh, there was a science fiction one and a horror one uh, back in the late '60s, early '70s. And uh, let me briefly. I hope you, uh, you have time for this, Derek. Uh, a brief, uh, my favorite greatest Christmas gift story. And it comes from about um, 1970. I was 11 years old. And, um, you know, it's a Christmas morning with the family there where everyone's opening stuff. And, you know, I'm getting all kinds of things from, you know, the typical things you, you throw aside like socks and uh, shirts and things like that. And, and, you know, a couple of nice toys from my parents. And then there's this uh, last box my mom told me to save till last. It was a medium-sized kind of box. So I open it up, and uh, it's one of those things where, okay, there's a box inside the box. So I open that one up, and there's a box inside. And this goes on for, I bet there were 15 boxes till it got down to the size of like a little jewelry ring box. And I'm like, what on earth? Yeah, I don't like anything that size. You know, I'm a kid, and I'm looking for some kind of big toy or, or some you know, big monster mask from Don Post or something like that. And there's this little teeny box, and I just kind of haphazardly then try to rip the tape away, which is tightly taped. And inside, there's just a piece of paper, and I'm like, I'm starting to feel a little bit disappointed. And I open up the piece of paper. And it says, it's in my mom's handwriting, and it says, you now have a subscription to Famous Monsters magazine. That was the greatest Christmas gift an 11-year-old monster kid could ever get. Uh, it still kind of chokes me up just to think about it. It was uh, such a great gift. And I hope you don't mind me uh, spending a little time here telling you about my greatest Christmas gift. And... Um, most of the, the near and dear Christmas gifts I've gotten over the years from mom and dad and sister and grandparents, aunts and uncles, I'm sure you all got them, all those great monster things growing up. And uh, they're physically gone now, uh, lost, but they're not really lost because they're right here in this monster kid's heart, never going to be forgotten. They're part of me, just like the people who gave them to me. And it's kind of cool that now uh, I run creepyclassics.com and the Monster Bash conference, uh, bringing monster fans together. And it, it makes me kind of feel like I can, you know, give something back to all those great monster things I got as a kid and, and bring us all together because we all grew up the same way, different towns, different cities. And now that we're older and grown up and we can get together for like the Monster Bash or on the internet. It's really great. So thanks so much, Monster Kid Radio and uh, Derek and and you for listening. Merry Christmas, uh, sincerely, from me, Ron Adams, at Creepy Classics and Monster Bash. Hey, this is Kyle from the Kaiju Cast, and I've got Brian. Hello. Rachel. Hi. Jeff. Hey. With me here, and we just wanted to wish all of the Monster Kids and Kaiju Kids out there a very, very Merry Christmas. And happy holidays. What if 
thank you everybody for listening to episode 249 of the podcast. It means a lot to me to have you guys and gals along for the ride. Big thanks to Joshua Kennedy for taking some time to chat with us here on the show. I really cannot wait to see what this guy's got coming up next. Not just with what he told me off mic, but in the future. I think he's got plenty of retro style stories to tell, or at least stories influenced by the kind of movies that we love here on MKR. So again, Joshua, thank you. We will be having you back. Also, thanks to everybody who called in their holiday greetings for the listeners of Monster Kid Radio. Really appreciate that. Made this episode a little more festive, maybe? All right, so if you want to know anything about Monster Kid Radio before the next episode comes out, head over to monsterkidradio.com. Net. This has got everything you need, like our contact information. Our email address is monsterkidradio at gmail.com. And our voicemail line is 503-479-5657. You can call and leave us a voicemail, send us an email, send a wave or an MP3, whatever. If you have something you want to talk about here on the show, well, that's how you do it. Or you go over to Facebook. We've got a link to our Facebook page over at our website. We also have a Facebook group where conversations are happening with Monster Kid Radio listeners between episodes. We have a link to our Patreon page where you can become a patron of Monster Kid Radio. A link to every single song that's appeared on every episode of MKR. And links to the bands who have provided that music. So if you like what you hear... Go support the artist and let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. Speaking of artists, we also have a link to Shelby Denham's website. Shelby Denham is the incredible artist who provided those really cool monster portraits that make up the new Monster Kid Radio website graphics. Next time on Monster Kid Radio, it's the big 250, 250 episodes of the podcast devoted to the classic and not so classic, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I am thrilled to be hitting this milestone and i know what we're going to talk about the past couple of weeks i've been trying to decide what 250 is going to be about well i'm going to go back to a previous episode 203 specifically that was back in may we launched what we hope will become a tradition here on monster kid radio the monster rally retro awards where we recognize the best actors actresses monsters and so on of genre films of the past because that's what we talk about and that's what we love here on monster kid radio this year, with the launch, we decided to recognize three years, 1931, 1941, and 1951. Now, to be clear, the ballot for this is now closed. It's been closed for a while. But I still have the results from the ballot. This was all decided by popular vote, and I've calculated those results. I've just never put them out on the show. So that's happening next time on Monster Kid Radio. That said, this is the last episode of 2016 for Monster Kid Radio. I'm sorry to do it, gang, but I have to take next week off. Those of you who follow me on Facebook know that my wife is in the hospital. Uh, she's got some pretty severe pain right now, uh, potentially a very, very badly pinched nerve, and she's being treated, but it's pretty rough. And it looks like she's going to be staying there through Christmas at least. Well, that said really should be spending more time taking care of her and taking care of our cats here on my own. Yeah, just doing everything here that I would normally do with Brandon and also taking care of her as well as going to work and taking care of my other responsibilities. So I'm sneaking this episode out and we're going to cap off 2015 with this. Thank you for your understanding. I really appreciate everybody being along for the ride. Please come back in 2016 on it looks like January 5th will be the next release of Monster Kid Radio. In the meantime... You can listen to any previous episode of Monster Kid Radio in our archives over at monsterkidradio.net, where you'll also see that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. 
All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Santa Claus is Surfing. That belongs to the incredibly cool surf band Surf Out. They're based out of Mount Pocono, Pennsylvania, but you can find them online at surfout.bandcamp.com, where they're selling two albums, A Surfing Christmas and Name This EP. They're both very, very cool. Go check them out, and if you buy the records, let them know that you heard them first here on Monster Kid Radio. Talk to everybody next year. (laughs) 